Hi families, welcome to this episode. Before we get started, I wanted to take a second to tell you about Gab Wireless. They are the creators of the world's safest phones for kids ages four and up. Now I'm speaking as a parent who has had to deal with making the decision of whether or not to get my kids cell phones. So I highly recommend that before you buy your child a cell phone, do yourself a favor and look into Gab's devices. They are the perfect alternative to fully loaded smartphones and they include everything that your child needs to stay connected to you, minus the distraction and risks like social media and the internet. Plus, I can personally attest to how nice it is to talk to my children on their own devices instead of having to go through my ex. (laughs) Um, For example, my older daughter, who's around 12, has the Premium Plus phone now, uh, and my youngest, who is six, has the watch, which she's had for a couple of years, and they call me whenever they need me and send me texts whenever they need me. So it's been really, really awesome for us. Um, Not to mention how super affordable Gab's devices and accessories and calling plans are. So if you're in the market for a phone for your child, go to Gab Wireless, that's G-A-B-B wireless.com, and at least comparison shop, right? No harm, no foul. Um, and if you decide to shop and get something, you can get an exclusive discount just for being an, a listener if you use our promo code. And that code is CoParent. See, easy to remember. C O P A R E N T, CoParent. Um, so feel free to use it. And if you become a proud Gab parent, don't forget to tag us on social media. (laughs) Hi, this is Rosalie Farnsworth, and you're listening to The Co-Parenting Collective. Hello, my smart, gorgeous co-mamas and daddies. Thanks for tuning in. Choosing to be here expresses your willingness to learn how to create the best co-parenting life for you and your littles. And willingness is half the battle, folks, okay? So thank you for that. I'm Rosalie Farnsworth, founder of the Co-Parenting Collective. And today we'll be discussing my 10 commandments of co-parenting, mom and dad edition. Now, I've spent 20 years as a co-parent. My oldest is 22, but the clock is still ticking for me because my youngest of three is only three years old. I'm just like you. I started from the bottom, (laughs) fired my fear, hired my pain. And what I mean by hiring my pain is I put it to work for me, not against me. And now I'm here to help you do the same. So in this list of do's and don'ts, um, I can basically, well, let me see. This is a thorough list of do's and don'ts. And if you follow it, if you put these things into practice, I can guarantee a stellar and stable co-parenting relationship for you guys. Now, there's an interesting sidebar to this episode. I recently noticed that Tom and Lisa Bilyeu had created their own list about marriage, and it was called Nine Lessons We Learned Over 17 Years of Marriage. So I immediately thought to myself that it would be interesting to compare this, our list as co-parents, to their list as a married couple. Um, And I'm going to do that for you here so that you can grasp how similar they are, they being the two uh, lifestyles, um, how similar they are in discipline and logic. So let's get started. Number one, never use flirting or sexuality as a negotiating tool. Now, this one is the complete opposite of what Tom and Lisa listed as their number one, and for an excellent reason, right? (laughs) Sending mixed signals while co-parenting is never, ever a good idea 
especially sexual ones. Now, I know some of you are listening and thinking, ew, gross, right? Why would I ever do that? But for those of you who didn't have a visceral reaction, just know that using flirtation or seductive language to manipulate your ex's feelings hurts everyone. It doesn't allow your family to progress into your fresh lives apart. And it also creates confusion and frustration where there is supposed to be healing and respect. Now, these tactics will eventually backfire once you and your ex are dating again, because you'll have to learn how to communicate and self-regulate like normal co-parents, but you're starting from a place of compounded mistrust, which will really effing suck, okay? And it's not fair to anyone, especially you. We are all worth more than our sexuality. So if you're having a bit of trouble understanding this, please consider speaking to a therapist or a counselor to work through any misconceptions and reclaim your dignity. Number two, communicate. You're going to hear that a lot. Communicate accurately. Tom and Lisa's marriage lesson number two is communicate obsessively, Um, but please don't be obsessive about anything (laughs) when you co-parent. I changed it to accurately for an important reason, because honesty and facts are critical to co-parenting well. We should always discuss information and obligations without exaggerating. Because any hint of dishonesty is distracting and it grates away at the trust that we're trying to rebuild. Exchange details exactly as they are. And when you're working to rebuild a rapport with each other, consider, maybe consider mostly using um, email or text so you can take your time to read and respond accurately. I mean, thank God for technology, right? (laughs) I think it has paved the way for better co-parenting for the next generation. But keep, you know, keep those messages kid-centered and brief. Um, Factual communication is usually short and sweet. Um, And you can do this, you know, at the beginning. And it's perfectly fine. Whatever style of communication is best and makes the most sense and keeps everybody chill. Okay, you can do this for the first three to like 12 months. Everybody's different in, you know, how they progress. But um, the practice will help your mind shift from interacting with each other as a couple, you know, loaded with triggers, to interacting as parents only. And that will positively affect how you respond to each other face-to-face. Number three, lift each other up. Now, our number three mirrors Tom and Lisa's number three. Why, you might ask? Well, because encouragement is a powerful motivator, not just for the person receiving the encouragement, but for the one giving it to. Now, I know... I know some of you may be thinking, I don't feel like supporting anything my co-parent does unless, I don't know, they're going to jump off a bridge. (laughs) First of all, that is not nice. Okay. I get it though. I've had those same thoughts a million years ago, but it's some heavy shit to be carrying around. Don't do that to yourself. Remember I told you I'm trying to flatten your learning curve. And second... What if they feel the same way about you? What then? Do you spend the next however many years battering each other until the kids run away from home? Or they turn 18 and don't want anything to do with either one of you? Um, it, it's very possible. You know, a lot of kids do that these days, you know, self-empowerment and the messaging in society right now, you know, they could grow, they could grow up and 
shut you out of their lives completely because you destroyed their childhood or you gave them horrendous memories of just the constant bickering and anger and frustration, the tug of war, you know? I mean, what the hell kind of parent wants that for their kids? Hopefully not you. So we have to get a handle on the negativity and ask ourselves if what we're putting out is what we want to return or is what we're putting out what we would want our children to deal with in a future relationship. I think those are important questions. So I assure you, continuing to drag your ex makes your children feel irrelevant, makes them feel invisible, um, makes them feel like your resentment and animosity is actually more important than protecting their sanity and innocence. So think about it. Um, and, and don't get me wrong, right? Lifting each other up doesn't mean that you have to shower them with compliments every day. I'm just saying, if you see something good, say something good. What we focus on expands, right? We've all heard that. For example, let's say you're a single slash divorced mom. The kids came home raving about dad's lasagna and how fun it was to help him make it and how fun it was to make a big mess, right? Next time you see him, mention it. Say, the kids said they loved making his lasagna with you and it was delicious and I think that is so cute. Next time, don't be afraid to send some leftovers, okay? <laughs> Just You can add the last part or not, and whatever. But the point is, short and sweet, but genuine, and it'll lift him up. It'll maybe motivate him to make lasagna again, or uh, maybe he will send some leftovers. But you're communicating that you see him and you appreciate him. And also, telling him that the kids came home raving about it is like a nice little way to um, offer affirmation to him on the kids' behalf as well. Another example, let's say you've navigated a hard conversation without trying to dominate each other with insults. You both remain calm and reached a peaceful agreement And you could say something like, uh, thanks for listening to my concerns about what we needed to do. I know that discussing these things with me can be tedious and stressful, but I really appreciate your patience, right? That's not that hard. So again, it's brief and to the point and sincere and it'll lift each other up. Plus, you have the benefit of getting, of feeling good about getting through um, that conversation with each other. Now look, when you can't muster the energy to lift, because I know some of you are thinking it like, oh, it just seems so daunting to think of lifting this person up after what they did to me. And if that's where you are, that's perfectly fine. So if you can't, what I say is, if you can't lift, then leave it alone and go clear your head. Number four, be honest even when it is hard. Now this co-parenting commandment actually mirrors the Bilyeu's fourth lesson for marriage. And yet again, it's another one that touches on the importance of healthy communication Let's define hard, a hard conversation, okay? It's usually the one that makes you feel the most vulnerable. Now, for a lot of us, holding back from speaking our truth usually happens because there's, we have some perceived risk involved, usually like some kind of punishment, loss, or rejection. 
And I used to struggle with this so bad. And it took me a good chunk of my 20s to find my voice and understand that even if I'm rejected or lose something, it's not the end of the world. Being honest, when it's hard, built a better me. I I swear you, it did. It ended my people-pleasing and built a real support system and it (laughs) built my business Um, It built boundaries and gave me the strength to enforce them. You know, integrity really has no downside. So we have to be honest, even when it's hard, there is real power there. Now, the bigger question is, what happens if you don't speak up? If you choose not to be honest or you shy away, what happens to your input concerning the kids, like different disciplinary techniques or why you don't agree with a medical procedure or your concerns over a new partner who is, maybe your ex's new partner, who is overreaching and disrupting an otherwise great co-parenting dynamic. What happens to all that? I'll tell you. Insecurity and resentment will build up. Not all the good things I previously listed. Those will not build up. Your insecurity and resentment will. So think of it this way. You can speak honestly and feel good about it or you can keep your mouth closed and end up feeling bad. It's totally up to you. Now, for those of you who are like me, um, or how, like I used to be, and how I am, honestly, sometimes, even now, um, you get, you can get a little panicky thinking about having conversations that may lead to confrontation. Um, I personally will prepare myself for those important conversations by doing research. I know, sounds nutty, Um, but that's what I do. I do research almost as if I'll be giving a presentation to a room full of people. I gather facts, I write them down, I look them over, I edit, I rehearse, I sleep on it, I look them over again, I edit again, and then I come up with something that I feel confident in, whatever the finished product looks like, and then I'll ask my ex when we can talk, knowing that I'm fully prepared if he says, right now. Now you may be thinking, but Rosalie, what if something comes up sporadically? And I feel uneasy, immediately uneasy, or nervous. Well, for that, just say that you can't talk now, okay? Hard conversations are rarely, rarely on the fly. So it shouldn't be a big deal to take the time to then go back and prepare yourself. But what if you can't, right? Well, my ex and I have... (laughs) I'm laughing because sometimes when you say what you do out loud, you're just like, really? I do that? But my ex and I have a dorky safe word that means I'll talk to you about this now, but you please slow down and be patient and respectful or I'm out. And it's so stupid that it works. (laughs) mostly because we laugh every time we use it, which immediately eases tension, right? So are you wondering what our word is? (laughs) I'll tell you at some point during the podcast, I promise. (laughs) So keep listening. Anyway, keep listening and communicate even when it's hard.
Okay, number five. Be a great leader and a skilled listener. Tom and Lisa said, be a good leader and a good follower. I removed the follower part and replaced it with uh, be a skilled listener or listening, I should say, Um, especially since most ex don't get along well enough to follow each other on social media, let alone follow each other in any other kind of way in real life, right? (laughs) So we just remove the follower. We're going to be great leaders and great listeners. So how do you lead as co-parents? Well, I'm glad you asked. Being a leader is an inside job, but isn't that crazy? Because we often think of leaders as influencing others. But the real truth is that great leaders will work to influence their own mind and their own behaviors before tackling anyone else's anything. So as co-parents, we need to focus on being the best person and parent that we possibly can be. Furthermore, great leaders aren't loud or aggressive. They are quiet and insightful. They aren't trying to control what someone else is doing unless maybe they're being directly attacked physically or something or um, you know, there's a real, real danger or threat there. Um, leading as a co-parent is the same thing. It says, I'm in control of me and that's all I want to be. Now, while you're self-regulating as a leader, I propose that you do unto. It's what I call do unto. It's the same as that, uh, the quote, do unto others, right? And in this case, the other is your children. For example, your co-parent wants to take the kids to a special event on, quote, your time. Now, before you say no, ask yourself or the kids, I don't know how old they are, but let's say they're old enough or you can, you know, let's say they're like six years old or seven years old. You can ask them, would you like this? Don't just shut it down because it's not, quote, not their day or you're, quote, sick of being flexible. That's not the right angle. You need to be a leader. You need to look at something and how it will benefit others, your children. Do unto for them. That's leadership as a co-parent. And in order to become a skilled listener, again, be quiet and focus. Silence really, really is an underrated equalizer. And a skilled listener won't be thinking of their response. They'll be listening to learn so that they can reply to their children or their co-parent appropriately. You know, I once read this interesting fact. Um, Some researchers had ran uh, a test to measure how much of a presenter's message actually sticks in the minds of their audience. And they found that immediately after a 10-minute presentation, so maybe this podcast's going to be 30 minutes. Think about that. (laughs) But immediately after a 10-minute presentation, the listeners only remembered about 50% of what was said. Okay, so if this podcast is 30 minutes, that means you have to listen, I don't know, at least twice. (laughs) No, just kidding. Anyway, so the listeners only remembered 50% of a 10-minute presentation And by the next day, that number had dropped down to 25%. And a week later, it was just 10%. So my point is, patience is the name of the game when you're communicating, okay? 
even if you're a skilled listener, some of the stuff is going to, you're going to lose it and you're going to forget it. So when you're co-parenting and you're not living in the same house where you might have had the opportunity to remind somebody again and again, you're, ha- you're going to have to be patient and you know, remind them, but not get pissed off because you have to remind them. Remind them because it makes sense to do so because you just simply aren't in each other's sphere of influence anymore. So again, that's another reason why you should listen intently so that you can grasp as much as possible. I can't even imagine if someone is not listening. That that 50% might go down to like 10% immediately. I don't know. But Listen intently and be patient if you have to remind um, your ex of things uh, once in a while. Okay, number six, leave space for mistakes. Okay, this is important. Now, Tom and Lisa said something about um forgive uh forgiving fast or some, something something like that it kind of wasn't appropriate uh, for us um <clears throat> but anyway now our number six is leave space for mistakes i think when you're married you should leave space for mistakes too okay a lot of shit a lot of stuff that goes down is just garbage and a lot of fights you know the stuff you argue over doesn't god you can't even remember it right like i was just saying in commitment number five Now, normal mistakes for co-parents, let's define that a little bit, um, include things like uh, your ex forgot to bring back clothing or was a little late on child support or a little late bringing the kids back. Um, I don't know, stuff like that. Maybe they went to the, the beach and got sunburn because he or she forgot to reapply sunscreen. Stuff like that, you know, essentially the mistakes that any parent could make. Um, and try to remember, <clears throat> excuse me, try to remember that you will make mistakes too and may need to pass, okay? Nobody is impeccable, uh, nor should they be attacked for every little thing. That's just ridiculous. Parenthood is tricky enough without unrealistic expectations. Now, if your co-parent is sabotaging, brainwashing, bad-mouthing, or abusing your children, that's not considered a mistake. That's an act of war, and the kids are the battlefield. So you contact a family law attorney, you um, may want to seek counseling for the kids, or you can even check out the self-help library that we have. Um, We have some really amazing books on how to deal with these damaging high-conflict issues. Uh, One of them is called Divorce Poison by Richard Warshak. Um, It's brilliant. Um, But all the titles that we recommend can be accessed through our website, thecoparentingcollective.com. We have a link on Instagram and Facebook. You know, you just click through that and you'll find our books there the entire list. Aside from that, guys, please leave each other a little wiggle room, okay? Number seven, hold yourself accountable. Now, if there is one commandment to remember and follow in your daily life, it's this one. Now, Tom and Lisa suggest holding each other, and I quote, to a high standard, which is a decent concept for couples. But when you're not a couple anymore, you lose the direct influence on each other's lifestyle. More relevant (laughs) in the land of co-parents is personal accountability. You and only you are responsible for how you interact with the world. Now, a key ingredient in any relationship, accountability is often missing from co-parenting relationships. 
to the detriment, of course, of everyone. Now, I wish I could properly emphasize how effing powerful and freeing it is to say, I screwed up, let me fix it. Or, you know, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. Accountability is essential to team work. And I don't care what anybody says. Co-parenting is team work. Okay, you are on the same team. You're on team kid, (laughs) whether you like it or not. You know, it's funny. I played sports my whole life, and I can't think of any scenario where shirking a mistake onto my teammates had any positive effects. Like, imagine me missing a free throw, then yelling at one of the other players. I mean, (laughs) no. The truth is that making excuses and blaming others is just lazy and selfish. And in my mind, it has, I don't know what I, I think it has a placebo effect on your morale where you think you've gotten away with something by shirking responsibility, but instead you're just holding yourself back from evolving. I mean, why would you do that? And I love the quote that says, those who are good at making excuses are seldom good for anything else. By the way, I'm going to give you another scenario. Imagine that your child is bullying another child. And when in conference with the principal of the school, you say, yeah, but that kid didn't do, that kid didn't do what my kid wanted. I mean... It's totally absurd. You wouldn't say that. That would be a most ridiculous thing to say. Yet too many co-parents do exactly that. They make excuses for themselves and their bad behaviors and why they should get their way or, God, a billion things. And that's not the right way to be. And by the way, this isn't just about personal ownership, and that, although that's lovely, it's also about leadership. See commandment number five. So like in my house, we acknowledge our mistakes and apologize immediately. And if something happened that could be rectified, then we do that as well. I have taught this lesson to all of my children from moment one. It's simple and it works. We don't mumble. There's no diversions. There's no buts. Because, you know, everybody knows when they've made a mistake. I don't care who you are. Well, I mean, maybe like, maybe like a psychopath doesn't. But even then, I think they do and they just don't care. Um, But anyway, (laughs) I digress. But there's no mumbling, no diversions, no butts in my house. I mean, even my three-year-old understands the importance of saying sorry and correcting a mistake. So we have less anger, we have less frustration, and we have a mountain of respect for each other. So I want to close out this commandment um, by saying... One last thing, when your co-parent is trying to take responsibility, please, please, please don't crush them. Just listen. And if you're too angry to accept it in the moment, just say, okay, and leave your response for another day. Number eight, want your co-parent to win (laughs) on the heels of talking about sports. No, just kidding. Um, No, this one, um, yes, Tom and Lisa want each other to win, but they are in a marriage and are incentivized by their love for each other and their relationship, right? Well, in co-parenting, 
it shifts to the love for our children. That should be our incentive. Okay. Now everyone involved, <clears throat> excuse me, everyone involved in co-parenting is on the same team. We know that. I just said that. So when one of us struggles, it actually affects everyone in some kind of way. Okay. And when we was, when we succeed, it also affects everyone in some kind of way. You know, there's a ripple effect. I am famous in my house for saying, listen guys, this is important because even a feather dropped in a pond will cause a ripple. Um, that's just my momism. <laughs> and I get a lot of laughs when I say it. But anyway, listen, I know this one is tough, especially in the beginning. I've been there. Sometimes wishing the worst on your ex feels like a, like a version of closure, I guess is a good way to put it especially if something bad happens, right? But that's an illusion. And if you're not a psychopath, you'll experience a negative feeling swap. Not, it won't be good in the long run. You'll, you'll usually go from loathing that person to feeling guilty for wishing something bad, okay? Or wanting them to fail. So here's what over two decades of co-parenting has taught me. If your child is in love with their other parent, it is your duty, yes, I said duty, to want the best for your ex. Their successes and positive growth, especially in, personally, um, you know, or work, business, whatever, are your child's successes too. Their happiness will affect your child's happiness. Them finding an amazing new partner will benefit you and the kids and vice versa. I mean, do you want your ex to be unstable and depressed um, and then meet a partner um, that, or meet their next partner while they're in that space? I mean, what do you think that will be like for you, them, most importantly, the children? And here's another truth, okay? Supporting and appreciating and validating people brings that same grace into your own life. Now, if this is confusing, please revisit commandment number three. <laughs> Number nine, we're almost done. Number nine, make the kids your highest priority. I'm sure you can guess what Tom and Lisa wrote on their list. Yep, make marriage the highest priority. Well, without the construct of marriage, priorities have to shift to the children. <laughs> I know you're sick and tired of hearing me say that, but it really is part of the fundamental process of co-parenting. You can't have any more spousy-like feelings for each other. We have to prioritize the children. Well, what does prioritizing the kids look like? It looks like talking with them. Let them know you're always available to discuss anything that's on their mind. It looks like asking yourself the right questions when an issue comes up, such as, what does my child need from me today? What can I learn? What can I teach? Will this matter to me or my child in a week, a year? Is this a quality or quantity issue? Or... Am I making a big deal about nothing? Prioritizing our kids also means that we understand measuring fairness using minutes can be pretty unfair to our child. Instead, consider your child's actual needs and wants based on their phase of development. You know, a one-year-old who's breastfeeding 
will need different schedule, time, and attention than a four-year-old who just started t-ball or is into gymnastics and so on. Once they are old enough to express the, you know, how they want to spend their free time, please pay attention and allow for those interests. Do not suffocate them in some kind of custody ideal. Um, my, my youngest, I should say, uh, my little, my little girl who's three moves between homes. My, all my kids do, but I want to say like, she's only three and she moves between homes with the freedom of a teenager, which is, <laughs> which is basically whenever she asks, you know, um, and that leads me to my next point. Please be flexible. This is a great, amazing way to show that you are prioritizing the kids over your own needs and wants. Because growing children should, not, like I was just saying, okay, growing children should not feel suffocated by a custody regime that you both decided on when they were a toddler. And in my opinion, and which was the case in, in my family, um, in my opinion, around by like by 10, custody agreements become obsolete. <laughs> I mean, it's been my experience and the people I've um, dealt with, you know, kids that age should definitely by, by that age, um, even younger for sure, but by that age, by 10, kids should definitely have an active role in deciding how they spend their time in preparation for their teenage years and beyond. Like with my son, okay, what I was just saying, who is now 22, the custody agreement that we had, yeah, the one that we battled for in court, was unfit for my son's growing interest by the time he was like four. And besides, okay, how do you plan someone's entire life when they have only just begun? How? Can you imagine someone plans your life or tried to plan your life from, say, like age 20 to 38? They were, and it dictated where to go, what to do, when to do it. I mean, I don't think so. None of us would be down for that. So please, please, please be flexible, co parents. It's the only thing that makes sense. Dun, dun, dun. Number 10. Now, Tom and Lisa drop off at nine lessons, but I added this one because it is imperative to co-parenting. Personally, I think in marriage too. Number 10 is don't threaten each other. This one is a biggie, guys. And since the majority of co-parenting threats are tied to time and money, we're going to touch on that. So many of you message me about these things. They may not be the exact uh, argument that you're having, but the, the underlying issue is either time or money. So that's why we're going to talk about it. Now let's take an example. Maybe an ex-wife argues, if you keep screwing around, you keep acting like that, I'll take the kids away. Or an ex-husband might rant, you talk to me like that again and watch your child support disappear. Rarely do threats work unless they are reasonable and easily enforceable. But neither of these things are that. And it is a luck that massive arguments will erupt if we restrict either of these things. And the really whacked out part, actually, um, about time and money threats is that they would punish the children the most. Like, 
oh, for fuck's sake, stop. Just stop. Think about what you are saying. The flow of time and money is fundamental to co-parenting's emotional economy. Not just for us, but for the children too. And handling both respectfully can pay, no, can quickly pay dividends of positivity between the households. To touch on money a bit more, I just want to say it's no secret that constantly struggling over child support and shared expenses can cause this fearfulness and instability and oftentimes lost opportunities for the kids. And yes, money conversations may be the absolute hardest to have, but are 100% unavoidable and crucial to the functional co-parenting partnership. See co-parent number four as a reminder. It's really helpful if you're at the be- if you're at the beginning of co-parenting and or going through start starting phases of going through a divorce to educate yourself about your local child support laws. Um, or you could take advantage of free consultations with family law attorneys. I highly recommend that you speak to one that is in the collaborative specialization. Um, you could also talk to a mediator. Um, if you have any questions about child support, now a court order is beneficial, even if you mostly agree without one. If there's been a history of threats, um, in other words, like, you know, you piss me off, I'm going to stop paying like that sort of thing. Um, or there's an inconsistency either in the amount or the timing of the payments. You know, these are just hassles that no one needs to have. Not the person who is paying child support and not the person who is receiving it. Um, plus a court order will also offer some protection when you guys form new relationships because we don't know who's going to cho- choose who next, right? And I've heard it a million times. You know, um, for example, someone will be paying child support. They start dating someone new. That new person comes in and says, hey, this is bullshit. You shouldn't have to pay this much. I don't want you to pay this much. And, you know, the motives are probably they want that money back in their home to use for what they want, right? Again, please don't choose somebody like that. (laughs) But, you know, it could happen. And that's not thinking about the kids. But, you know, a court order will, again, take that off the table. Not saying you can't spend your entire life in court fighting about child support. People do it all the time. Don't recommend it. But, you know, if you have a court order that says... Um, that basically establishes a legal baseline as to the amounts to be exchanged and what's covered. Um, it's great. You know, one less thing to think about. And you can focus on having fun and enjoying your kids. Um, and take it from me. It, it, no matter what that court order says or how much you try to plan, after over 20 years as a mother, I was ne- I can tell you I was never able we were never me and my co-parent were never able to account for every little thing that came up. So again, I know you're sick of hearing it, but I love you guys anyway and I'm gonna say it. Um, <laughs> but at the end of the day, this is why communication and flexibility are paramount. And one other little thing, I also strongly recommend contacting a licensed financial professional or a CPA where you live. Sometimes they can help co-parents come up with creative expense sharing or saving solutions that you would never get wind of through the legal system. 
my accountant was actually able to craft a plan that incentivized both me and my co-parent while addressing the best ways for us to manage uh, the majority of our co-parenting expenses. So um, as far as that goes, let me know if you want to hear more about it. I'm not going to go deep into it um, right now. Um, So that's it, guys. Okay, no threats. Don't threaten each other about time and money. I shouldn't make threats anyway. Um, And I only believe a threat is as good as its enforcement. Uh, I don't know. But don't threaten each other. And that's it. So what do you think? Did you learn anything today? Let us know. And a personal note, I really, really hope that by sharing my lessons with you, I can help your family to flatten your learning curve. This is something I wish I had access to as a very young single mother with almost no support system. My parents were not divorced at that point. Um, I didn't really know anybody who was. I was so young, most of my friends weren't even thinking about families. Um, I had no experience navigating what was called joint custody. Yes, that's what they called it back then. And I always hated the word custody. But anyway, these are time tested. I've spent, (laughs) unbeknownst to you, I've spent the last 20 years perfecting this list. Um, no, seriously, these are time tested philosophies, guys. Okay. And they won't work unless you put them to work. So I thank you for being here. Appreciate you so much. And I hope it's reciprocated. Um, If you want to reach out, our email is thecoparentingcollective at gmail.com. Or you can DM us, right? Instagram, Facebook, whatever. And most importantly, while you're waiting for the next episode to air, Please take care of yourselves and each other. Oh, 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 oh. And by the way, my safe word is chicken. (laughs) If you forgot what I was talking about, please go back to commandment four. Love you guys. Take care.